Hello, you are about to listen to another episode of Beyond Clean, a podcast where we talk about everything that is healthy, positive, and proactive. I am your host, Dave Thompson. Yes, we are in Season 4. We broadcast out of Orlando, Florida. This is where the cleaning industry talks about everything that is healthy, positive, and proactive. We would love to have you on the show, so reach out to me, D. Thompson at academyofcleaning.com or at 888-999-6059. Be sure to listen to our live streaming that we will be doing this year on Podbean. Now, for today's show, let's get started. Well, it is a Monday afternoon, folks, and you are listening to another episode of Beyond Clean with Ace. We have been doing this well, every afternoon live sessions on Podbean Live for, I don't know, we're probably looking at somewhere around 10 days. I lost count of it. I'm not sure if you're like me, but whenever you work from home, yes, we all have a schedule. But the thing about it is, is that I'm working seven days a week, 10 to 14 hours a day. One day runs into the next. Um you know, the life I knew before this pandemic, I don't remember what that was. And typically, if you've listened to any of the podcast here in the last two weeks, you probably on a Monday afternoon go, oh, great. We're going to get to listen to Dave talk to himself again. Eh, wrong. I have a special treat for you. I've been trying to get Kevin locked down. And since he's working from home, he has nothing better to do than talk with you. <laughs> So, Kevin, here we are on opposite sides of the U.S. on a well, Monday afternoon for me. It's Monday morning for you. Kevin Chow, tell everybody who you are. And I guess maybe I'd say, hey, are you there? I heard you laugh. <laughs> yeah, I am, Dave. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Um, yeah, I'm. Um, my name is Kevin Chow. I'm the vice president of member development for an organization called Triple S. We're a national network of uh, independent distributors in the janitorial sanitation industry. And uh, my role is to help our members prosper in any way that I can. Um, that's working with business owners, uh, helping them with their organizations, uh, sales, training, and education. Um, we provide a, an executive development program for those who want to excel their skills in more strategic planning. Um, in their organizations for the future and uh, whatever our organizations need to help them uh, and grow their businesses and, and help their end users uh, hopefully become provide a more clean safe and safe and clean indoor clean indoor environment if that makes sense well yeah and that's the topic of everybody's conversation these days it's in the cleaning world so let's before we get too far into this let's talk about uh, I mean, you said independent distributor. You know, there may be some people listening to this that doesn't understand. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, independent distributors, um, those are uh, independent businesses who uh, sell uh, and service uh, janitorial products to customers uh, they'll sell anywhere from uh, one to 10,000 different items that there are in the janitorial supply industry. And that's everything from cleaning supplies, sanitation supplies, 
uh, cleaning equipment and machinery, and some even provide the services of cleaning also. And some people like Jim Supply provide a whole raft of education too. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's, a matter of fact, Dave, I think you hit a really big part of it. I think that's one thing uh, as independent distributors that we can provide uh, much differently and, and above and beyond some of the larger, quote, uh, box stores that still sell the supplies also. Um, that's where our independent distributors really can provide that extra value for their end users and customers. So I think what you just said is you said independent distributor and box stores. So is it a dollar value? Uh, their, uh, how many locations they have? I mean, somewhere along the line, you have to have something that determines one or the other. Yeah, no, most independents are, 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 quote, independently owned. They're not a public company, so they're not trading on the stock exchange. Um, or um, we focus, our, our, trip, our Triple S members are small to mid-sized members, anywhere from a couple million to, I'll say, $50 million. Uh, there are, of course, large regional and national players that actually reach up to the billion-dollar mark. Um, but there's also, if, as you know, uh, large uh, global and uh, national companies like Staples, Granger, um, uh, even Amazon that sell janitorial sanitation supplies too. Well, that's what you're talking about, the big box stores versus the independents. So during this type of time, I mean, we had a class last uh, Thursday and we had people from all over the United States and Canada, I might add. And I mean, we really got into some discussions um, when one of the manufacturers was on the class with us, they were really hitting hard on distributors and stuff like that. Is there, I mean, everybody's challenged. You're seeing that manifest itself how? Uh, we're seeing a big challenge. Uh, and, and, you know, I think the to put the word out there, every, everyone's really working hard to try to support their customers. Kevin, we're having trouble and, hearing and you. I'm you not sure your, your, uh, your connection is getting pretty spotty there. Can you hear me okay now? I can now. Okay, great. Um, you know, one of the challenges, uh, Dave, with distribution, of course, just like anything else, is, is having the availability from the manufacturers. And as you can imagine right now, there's uh, there's quite a bit of a panic from, from people, business people, the end users uh, who are actually utilizing the product to get the product to them. And our distributors are all working very hard with their manufacturers to gain the product so that they can distribute them out to those end users. Uh, the challenge has been, is, um, as you can imagine, how, let me ask you this. Have you, and I'm sure many of your guests out there, have gone to uh, the store and normally would get toilet paper? <laughs> well, folks, I'm not sure what we're going to do here. Kevin's, Kevin's phone keeps cutting out, and I'm not sure if you can hear him any better than I can. Um, uh, Kevin, if you're still with us, uh, you might want to, I'm not sure what you can do. Yeah, I'm I'm here. Um I'm not sure either. I might my, my I've got my phone set up right. It seems I can hear you just fine. Okay. 
Well, um, you, you were saying the challenge is toilet paper. Yes, I've been seeing the shelves are empty in a lot of places, but like Jim Supply has toilet paper. Exactly. So like when I go to a retail store now, um, it's very difficult to find toilet paper uh, and supplies, just even with your large grocery stores or anywhere that you would normally get stuff. And that's just due to manufacturer processes. Because of this pandemic, people have, um, I don't know if they're hoarding more uh, and gathering more supplies to, to keep in their homes, uh, same as in their businesses, but um, the shelves are empty. Well, you know, so I, read, I, I did read a report on that this morning, Kevin, because I was kind of curious about the same thing. It said toilet paper use at home is recognized to go up 40% because 75% of the public is at home. But did we need to panic by, as I guess, what you're saying? Yeah, I, I to be honest with you, on, on a personal basis, I was kind of seeing how Well, we've lost Kevin again. Folks, you, I, I, I'm hoping that we don't have to, li you don't have to listen to me talk all afternoon. Kevin, why don't you um, uh, jump off and try calling back if you can hear me? Yes, and I let's will. See I'll if, try to call back. Let's see if that connection will help a little bit. But while Kevin's doing that, folks, I think the issue we're talking about at this point is, you know, the thing here with, with the purchasing of supplies if you've been going to a janitorial supply house and you've been working with that janitorial supply house and you have a relationship with them, I think that what you'll find is it's going to be easier to deal with somebody that you, you have been working with and you'll probably get that, well, you'll get product from them ahead of time. Not just toilet paper, but any, any type of supplies. Uh, I know at Gym Supply here in Central Florida, I believe that in one day they sold like 500 cases of it. And so, you know, there's, <laughs> there is a large call. I mean, I don't think that the, the, the supply chain has ever seen a run on that type of a product the, that much. So I, I think that, uh, what you're going to see going forward is maybe a, a slowdown, but I know at Gym Supply, uh, probably like some other uh, people. Kevin, are you back with us? I'm here. Sorry about that. Can there is again. Yep. You know, what I was saying, Kevin, is I, I think that after we get through some of this initial, uh, which I think we're still in some of the initial because I, there's more people even staying at home now than before. The, we're, we're, I mean, at Gym Supply, they're, they're still making home deliveries for cases of toilet paper. Never done that in their distribution life ever. Well, I, I, I yeah, you're right. And, you know, I think people are just concerned. They're not too sure how long they're going to be home, home. And so they're stocking up some supplies when they might not normally necessarily need or really understand how much they really need. Um, I saw a, a calculation that said I think it was 10 rolls could could actually 
provide you, you know, 50-something days of toilet paper. Um, but but, if, you're, but your if, you're, if you're talking about now your whole family is at home and, you know, most of these families, you know, the kids are at school. They don't consume paper during the day. The, the school does. Absolutely. You know, I heard a story from one of our suppliers who actually, they were called by the police department and um, uh, they found a truckload, a full semi-truckload uh, of their, one of their trucks uh, along, stranded on the side of the road. And uh, what happened was that the supplier found out that uh, the police told them one of the uh, drivers, a rogue driver, actually was trying to steal the truck to sell the toilet paper. Oh my gosh, I hadn't heard that one. <laughs> Could you imagine oh. that? Can, can no, you no, Kevin. It? I mean, I mean, you know, we've heard hijacking of all kinds of things, but yeah. In your career, did you ever think you and I'd be sitting here on a Monday afternoon talking live about the about a toilet paper truck getting hijacked? No, never, never. Matter of fact, I was sitting with a group of friends. We were all social distancing in our, in the cul-de-sac, and we were all six to ten feet apart in a big sure. circle. And everyone was bringing out toilet paper and paper towels and tissue for anybody else who needed it. <laughs> That's how crazy things are being. So, you know, when you talk about the distribution channel, folks, I've got to tell you, this is how crazy we are at trying to handle the supply needs you have. So, you know, when somebody calls up and says, I can't get an electrostatic sprayer, I need one to decontaminate my building. And what do you mean you can't get it till July? What do you tell them? Yeah, you know, that's a, that's a great point. Uh, matter of fact, speaking of that, one of our manufacturers who, who shares in that situation, you know, their normal output of uh, sprayers is 2000 a month. Uh, they're trying now to keep up with demand. They're trying to keep up with their request of 2000 per week and can't even do that at this point. And so if you can imagine, it's not only the manufacturers, but now um, uh, uh, plastics are difficult to get. Their raw materials are difficult to get. And if you think about that, the whole supply chain is backed up dramatically just due to the demand that people are putting on it because we've been trying to talk about, hey, you need to get electric st static sprayers out so that you can really prevent you know, infections on a bigger term uh, basis. And, uh, you know, Folks were like, yeah, I'm not too sure, uh, I understand, but uh, we don't think it's that critical right now. Well, now everybody's jumping on board. So are you, are you like I and many of us, uh, it, that people are starting to say, oh, wait a minute, what have you been saying? You know, it, I, unfortunately, yes. Um, and, it's, and it's not one of those things, Dave, where it's like, you know, we told you so, but it, unfortunately, it's a situation where, Right. You know, we, we want to make sure that we try to take care of the health and safety of people uh, and occupants and buildings, etc. And uh, unfortunately, as you know more than anyone, you know, our custodial staffs are the front line to this. And, and they're not always heard about the demands that they need because sometimes businesses, the first area that they will cut is cleaning supplies. Not what, they don't really, what they don't really understand is they affect on people. And now I think that they're seeing that more and more. And I think our, not only us, but the expectations of the consumer is going to change dramatically when they walk into a building, right? 
So think about this. If I'm going to a restaurant or a hotel or getting on my airplane, I travel all the time, I'm thinking, what is that company doing to make sure that their um, seats, their chairs, their tables, their environment is clean, disinfected, and sanitized? Okay, and so, so now you, you, you led me into something there, Kevin. How come, and Daryl Hicks and I, and you know Daryl Hicks, we were talking this weekend about why is it that we can say cleaning your hands with soap and water is good enough, but yet if I go to a surface, I have to disinfect. Did something magically happen that cleaning is not okay on a surface? Well, I don't think, um, I think one of the biggest challenges, you know, Dave, is that um, education is a big process, right? And as you know, um, oftentimes we need to clean first before we disinfect and sanitize. And they are three different, different things, right? Because if I try to use a, um, I'll just use a simple example, uh, a Clorox wipe, and I don't clean my counter ahead of time, that dirt actually protects the surface. And so the disinfecting and sanitizing does not get through to that. And so I think that that's a, a, a misnomer that we have not, um, that sometimes um, our staffing does not necessarily realize the full processes of the right products and programs that need to be uh, put into place to properly clean, disinfect, and sanitize. Does that make sense? Well, you know, I think the whole thing here is, is people have gotten into this, and this is what Daryl and I was talking about, and some other folks that, that are in the community that we know. And I think one of the issues is, is proper cleaning. And Correct. that cleaning always has to be done before the other two levels can be done. And it doesn't matter what the chemical is that you're using. Um, I mean, I, I, you know, probably some of the manufacturers are not going to like this, but yeah, hey, I'm on Podbean Live this afternoon, and it's my <laughs> show. So, you know what? I can say whatever I want to. Uh, no, I didn't really want to say it that way. But I wish we would have never come up with what's called a one-step cleaner disinfectant, because now people have this belief that they can clean and disinfect with one, and you, so you see the social media stuff out there. You see the TV advertisement where, oh, use that, as you said, Clorox disinfecting wipe, and they don't say anything about cleaning before. Correct. Correct. Not only that, they don't even talk about the dwell time. I well, mean, dwell time's know, not important if you don't clean first. <laughs> well, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but even, even if you did, you know, most don't realize that, you know, they've got to, I mean, right here, I've got, a, I've got a box of Clorox wipes, disinfecting wipes, right in my hand right now. Okay. And on the back, how many people actually read the back that says caution, right? Um, okay, so uh, folks, j just hang on just a minute. So just prepare your ears because Kevin is going to read to us the directions on the backs of Clorox wipes. I don't think we've had anybody do that on air, so go ahead. <laughs> Come on, Kevin, let's give there it to us. Bear with me here. Bear with me here because my, my eyes are not. Uh, oh, yeah, as put good your glasses on there, be. Kevin. Yeah. Um, let's see yeah. here. 
I'm trying to find the right the right portion where hey, it's folks, I got to tell you that while he's looking at it, because I've done this before, it's in small print. That's why nobody reads it. I can't find it. Well, and the thing is, is this is it. We see on the TV what we believe is right. And what you see on the TV is marketing to get you just to pick it off the shelf. What you see on TV, it, it, and even in the reports, I've talked about this on podcasts for the last 10 days. I mean, you know, I watch something on the TV that shows a, a school or a, a facility deep cleaning for infection. And Kevin, it's, it's cleaning 101 gone wrong. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Here we go. To clean and remove allergens, wipe surface clean with this product. Let it dry. To disinfect and deodorize hard, non-porous surfaces, wipe surface. Use enough wipes for treated surface to remain visibly wet for four minutes. Let surface dry. For highly soiled surfaces, clean excess dirt first. Now, how many people actually read that? And actually Nobody, because you had that to take. Uh, yeah, because how long did it take you to find the directions, Kevin? <laughs> it, exactly. It just took me a few minutes to find it, and even even with that, look. I mean, I'll do. I'm I'll, I'm as guilty as anybody else. I'll just take the wipe and wipe through it, and you know, and use it as my cleaning rag also. Um, so yeah, it's it's something that you know you more than anyone knows that products, the right products with the right processes is all about getting the right outcomes and that's something that we've really got to educate our not only our um, cleaning staffs but our end users and and the business decision makers who need to understand how it affects their businesses overall okay i'm not going to go with that subject any further because folks if you've listened to the podcast uh somebody actually uh, another guy and i was getting into this conversation and he said of all the whole podcast for 45 minutes, he said, I like the, the uh, conversation about the wipes because my, my point is, why are we using disinfectant wipes if we're only doing it one time, if we're only cleaning? Baby wipes do the same thing. Yeah, and those, those are for cleaning, right? But that doesn't necessarily disinfect and sanitize, correct? But the thing is, is you were telling me, you're not disinfecting anyway, you're just cleaning. So why not use a, 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 a face wipe, a baby wipe, something? You don't have to use a disinfectant wipe to clean with. Correct, correct. You Absolutely. should always clean and then disinfect is what we're saying. So a distributor has a lot of challenges today because all that anybody wants to do is get it quick, Go to it quick, and I think my point of this, Kevin, tell me if I'm wrong, this is a different time. This is not the time to try to do things quickly and to shortcut. We need to go further than that and step up the game. Absolutely, and this is where I believe that the independent distributor of janitorial supplies can t t can be the advantage and the different the, the differentiating uh, the different excuse me <laughs> the differentiation of being able to understand not only the products that are able to use but the processes on how to properly clean because let's be honest many times as a buyer or a end user you're buying the products because you you think you you know what you want you're trying to keep to a certain budget etc right 
And so then you get, your staff tells you what you need, they, you buy it for them, and they go and clean. Well, they clean based upon whatever processes that they believe is correct. And as we just spoke about, we know that there's a very high percentage of those folks who do not know the right processes and programs out there. And so, yes, it's a different, uh, and, and not only that is, as we spoke about before, your customers, your end users are going to expect differently because every time that they walk somewhere to touch something, they're now going to think, has this been cleaned? Has this been sanitized? Has this been, has this been disinfected? Well, basically, to my point is, is it safe? Whatever Absolutely. I did before, is it safe now? So, so have you been to the grocery store during all this, Kevin? <laughs> well, you know, I'm in California, and we've been um, stuck now for three and a half weeks or so. Uh, yes, I have been to the grocery store. Um, it's it's actually been kind of scary in some respects because you walk in and some of these shelves are so empty that uh, it, it, it's almost like the world's ending. Um, but is it a safer place to be in? No. Why do you no. say that? Um, I don't, I, because I don't necessarily see the staffing cleaning the way that they should be. Now, uh, you know, let me, let me take that back. Keep, keep going with that. Keep going let, with that, Kevin. No, well, let me, let me go back because the first couple weeks I did not see it. However, the other day I was at Trader Joe's and they had a staff member outside taking a wipe and actually wiping down the carts. And they Have also you ever seen had, them do that before? Yeah, I've never seen them do that before either. They okay. also had X's and letting people every six feet go in at a time and X's kind of around the store to show social distancing to make okay. sure that people were aware that they needed to be. So I will say, yes, they are, they are making improvements now uh, to change the environment. So do you think... When everybody says, go back to work, and they tell us you don't have to, how much of all of that do you think is going to stay? You know, that's, that's a great question. Um, I think it will stay for a little while. I think that people, there's a big fear factor out there, and there's, they're not going to want to, uh, um, they're going to be much more conscientious, especially having to stay at home for weeks and weeks at a time. Um, being that you're by yourself and you're with your families, but when you go out there, you're going to be a lot more conscientious about what the environment's going to be like. And that's why I believe right after what we call on the other side of this big mountain, um, there's going to be a lot different expectations from consumers to businesses. And what are those business owners going to do to prepare themselves? Now, with that said, Dave, I also, just knowing uh, and seeing the uh, normal behaviors of, of human beings, after maybe three, four, six months, we may all go back to normal, you know, <laughs> with forgetting about it. Because, I mean, what, 10 years ago we had H1N1 and nobody even remembers it. Well, I wouldn't say no one because we have it still in our class, the one that we're doing right now. I won't get into that. But, you know, somebody said this is much like 9-11. Um, you know, there's more people died 
and will have died from this than 9-11, but it's a traumatic thing that changes human behavior for a while. The only difference here is, I think back to your statement you just made, the independent distributor was doing these things for their routine clients. I know here in Florida, we've gotten more influx of people that are now finding out about us and are finding about our education and the programs and stuff. We've done a few things, but all we've done is more of the same things. We haven't changed our behavior because of this uh, in, a, in a great drastic way than what we were doing. Conversely, do you think big box stores have changed a lot or have they reacting only for a period of time? You know, um, I'm not sure about what their plans are. Um, I know that they have um, tried to bring in specialists, but we, we, you know, we've also received messages on some of the larger corporations that some of them are doing furloughs. Um, and if you think about, you know, uh, a, a public company who has to watch their stock um, a little closer and uh, returns right away, quarterly returns, uh, they're going to be less people available for them to be able to support that type of a program. Um, but I think our independents definitely um, need to continue to change and grow and actually get to that next level of making sure that they're not only educating, but uh, helping those um, businesses in other ways that they can to make sure that they are safe environments. I know one of the things that Jim Supply has done here, you know, with having the Academy, uh, you know, uh, associated with them or the two of us almost simultaneously together. Um, one of the things that we added with the Academy a couple months ago was live chat on our website so that we could communicate with people on the chat. Many independent uh, dealers aren't in that game. Now, whenever this all hit, we threw that over onto the gym supply site as well. And in the last nine days, we've had 220 live chats with people coming through. Do you see other independent distributors doing anything like this or, you know, that that they all just get caught off guard. Um, no, I see actually some independents actually really taking a proactive stance on this. Matter of fact, they have for quite a while. They've been educating, uh, and matter of fact, developing protocols for especially healthcare, you know, and education to make sure that they can impact those businesses in a positive way. Because if you see some of the statistics out there, which I'm sure you have. You know, healthcare uh, is challenged through hospital-acquired infections. They have been for years, and and that costs them millions and millions of dollars. I think uh, the cost of an average healthcare or um, hospital-acquired infection is something like uh, you know tens of thousands of dollars, right? And if you can imagine how many infections that people may get from that point, that's very costly for a hospital. So they have to learn to have the right protocols and, and systems and products to clean properly. And so here's a simple example, right? And we hear, we hear this story in our industry, but people in the podcast may not. 
you know, think about this. When you're going to a hospital and you're being served your food, what do you get served the food on? A tray. A tray. Okay. What, what, who normally cleans a tray and where do they normally clean it? Uh, kitchen staff, uh, you know, on a conveyor line, they scrape things off, through it, throw it through a dishwasher sanitizer, and then it goes back out to the line get filled. Right, okay, and it gets filled, and normally, um, if, if a, a cleaning staff or somebody comes and they clean the top of that tray, but guess where they're holding the tray? On the bottom, right? And so when they're transferring that tray, that means all these different people who are touching that tray, there are different germs on the bottom of the tray. But oftentimes yeah. that does not get cleaned properly enough, right? So well, Unless it's it, run through the dishwasher. Exactly. But as it's moved through that process, right, when it gets to that end user, that customer, or that patient, oftentimes it's being touched many times. Oh, and I so see. The Between the time it's filled and it actually gets to the, to the room. Absolutely, right? Uh, okay, and, yeah. And so then, does the person who's delivering the tray, are they wearing gloves? Typically okay. not. Typically not. Or uh, have they cleaned the tray completely before that's been touched? And then, as you can imagine, then that touches all these different surfaces, right? Sure. So, and then, as you know, um, how, long do those dis how long do those viruses stay on those surfaces? Uh, with COVID-19, I think the ship said that they found it still viral in some of the rooms after 17 days. Absolutely. So, so that's how we can very easily, um, if we don't have those right processes or, quote, protocols in place, then it's very easy for those viruses to stay around and be passed on to other patients or other end users, etc. So... You know, I'm, I'm kind of wanted to, you know, and the reason I wanted you on, Kevin, this afternoon was talk mainly about what distribution challenges and why people should choose um, a, a local independent rather than the others we're talking about. I think one of the things that came out in that conversation last week was, you know, um, I've never bought from those folks before and I went to get something from them and, and their price is $400 a unit more than what my local guy could get it, but he didn't have one either. Why are people taking advantage? Yeah, you know, that's a good question. I think that's, uh, that's unfortunately a sad part of, you know, um, business, some business out there, but I think it's a small part. I think when you take a look at, um, I mean, our, I will say that our members, Triple S members and our local uh, independent distributors that I'm aware of, they all pretty price very fairly. Uh, they may not be the lowest, but they're very competitive, and I don't think that many of them actually take advantage of, ga of gouging people. Um, that's the one thing I think that the independent really provides is, is not only that, they're very involved with the community. Most of them are very involved, and they want to make sure that they're, t matter of fact, this is what I hear a lot recently now. <laughs> they're not even concerned as much about making a profit as taking care of their community and their customers. And they're struggling to get, um, they're, they're working very hard, but struggling to get the products to them because they're, um, as, as we spoke about before, the manufacturers are having challenges getting raw materials and getting the products to them. So um, as they go through these struggles, I think the independents are the ones who are making sure that they're 
full-time customers who have been loyal to them. They're taking care of them right away and trying to help anyone else in the community that they can. So the relationship between the um, client and the uh, independent distributor is now even more important than it's ever been? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think those, um, those customers and end users who have worked with independents a long time can see that because they may not be getting the type of, quote, service uh, that they are from some of the other largest because they have no one to be able to get in touch with. Well, and I think that's kind of been one of the points that was made during our, our class last week is, you know, if you're complaining, and this is, I think, was some of the, the comment was, and I think one of the other people made this, is if you're complaining about your local distributor, is that the person that you've been relying on or the person you want to bail your butt out? Yeah, and that's why, you know, um, you're, you're so... I thought that was a pretty good, interesting comment, but, uh, you, but, you're, but, but this is what we're talking about, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And like I said, I think that's going to even... I think that's really going to... I think, like I said, I think that's going to change the expectations of those businesses, right? When they look at a supplier, what are they really providing me? And, um, you know... If, if you think about it, over the last few years, business has been really good for for ninety nine percent of the businesses out there. I mean, it's been a, it's been a pretty good uh, growth over the last few years, um, and so people it, things start getting uh, easy and things start getting quote commoditized, right? And so people are just shopping for pricing the best that they can, but hopefully they're going to start to realize after this that. There are suppliers who have been there for them to support them and to provide that extra service and value and education is going to pay off for them in the long run. Because when you really look at it, Dave, right? If I save, ten, if I save $10 on a case of cleaning supplies, but my independent distributors in here training me on the right protocols and education and providing me that I actually can improve my absenteeism rate with my employees, which is going to save me thousands of dollars. Where, where's the real cost savings there, right? And so our independence can really make a positive effect on the positive business outcomes and the safety and security of our uh, end users. And that's where they differentiate themselves. Well, I think what you're also saying here, if I could paraphrase a little bit, is, you know, you can price shop that distributor all you want to, but when it comes to crunch time, uh, you know, I, I watch NASCAR a lot, and I, I know this, I'm jumping a little bit, but, you know, a guy wanted, saw uh, a tire that I have on the wall, you know, a big racing slick from NASCAR, and he was questioning, why do you have that on the wall? And I said, hey... You know, I've watched NASCAR for a long time. And, you know, everybody gets together. Everybody's a big family. We're all together to entertain the people and everything. But, you know, when we get on the racetrack, we're in competition with each other. And we'll do whatever we have to do to be on top. But when it all comes to it, we're all in this together. We're all here to help each other and, and, and do the best we can. But 
you let somebody do something wrong and we remember this and it comes back to you. I think this is the same thing we're talking here. Yeah, Folks, absolutely. if you're price shopping that distributor all the time, when it comes time that you need something like we are seeing now, well, you know, that's remembered too. And if you're finding that you're having to pay more than you normally would, maybe you should go back and look at your buying habits with that person and say, was I a true partner with them or am I just expecting them to bail me out and I never really helped them along the way? I, 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 am I too far off base? No, you're, you're right on. And, you know, it, it goes back to the, you know, we always talk about, quote, partnerships and, and companies talk about that. But sometimes, like we say, we said earlier, um, unfortunately, sometimes, quote, the supplies become commoditized, but they really don't realize that those supplies actually affect a larger purpose, right? So think about this. Here's, a, here's an example. Um, we all know that school districts are challenged, right, with budgets all the time. Mm -hmm. And um, matter of fact, I saw this article where, you know, they were talking about this oh, uh, around the last couple of weeks, they've been spending, you know, twenty dollars to $30,000 more on overtime with their cleaning staff. Mm -hmm. And they're concerned about the budgets for the long term. Well, the question that I would ask then is that, okay, maybe what, why are you spending this time now? Maybe if you did that ahead of time, we might have been able to actually save more um, spread of the viruses right in schools and, and be, have that cleaner, safer environment. And um, when, and, and that, Let's just say twenty or thirty thousand dollars would pay themselves back in uh, many times over with more kids back in the seat with the right programs, right? Well, you know, Kevin, I think it's interesting you brought up schools because I had a conversation over the weekend with another distributor, and they were showing a picture of this wonderful area of floor that the school had just recently refurbished and they were so proud of the way the floor looked. And I, and I, and I couldn't help myself, Kevin. I'm, I'm just kind of that way. People, if you've been on the podcast with me or been in my classes, you know, sometimes at this age, I'm just, it just comes out. And I said, why are you doing floors at this time? What do floors have to do with having a healthy uh, facility? And I saw something from a governor, and I can't remember who it was now, but he was putting out a message that said, we're very close to mandating that our public schools be decontaminated at this time. And I think this is one of really a great point is if you're in a facility and you're going to be opened back up for public um, uh, occupancy, should we not be decontaminating and not just thinking about COVID-19, but influenza, uh, HIV, MRSA, SARS, all of these that we fight on a daily basis. This is just another one in the list, Kevin. Yeah, absolutely. Matter of fact, I think, I think you shared that with me. I think it was the governor of Pennsylvania, right? Um, and we're seeing a lot more of that. Matter of fact, um, I think I just saw an article from the uh, World Health Organization also stating that there are going to be more requirements 
for um, buildings to be properly decontaminated. And so the question comes down to, you know, um, what can we do now while we're in shelter in place um, to make sure that our facilities are prepared for the future? And I think the, the best thing is, is that they should be preparing, okay, what, what is our current processes right now, how we're cleaning, what are the products that we're using, and how do we prepare ourselves for the future and get ourselves ready to go and our buildings ready to go prior to the occupants returning back so that they are actually, you know, uh, when an occupant um, comes in, they have a, actually a communication piece that says, hey, just to let you know, general public, here is what we're doing for the, clean, the, for the health and safety of our occupants. And they can have that uh, put out there, um, you know, for their uh, people to feel more comfortable when they enter their building. I'm going to address that, com that, that comment here in just a few minutes, folks. I want to tell you, you are on Podbean Live. You're listening to Kevin Chow. He is the VP of Member Development for Triple S. Um, I believe it's something like 70 independent distributors around the U.S. We are sponsored here at the Academy of Cleaning Excellence by Jim Supply. They are a supplier and a Triple S member in Central Florida. They have been improving lives with cleaning supplies since 1930. We're very happy to be powered by them. Kevin, one of the things that I see coming, and I've had several people on the podcast over the last uh, couple of weeks, we've talked about this, to the point that you just got through making, we developed a uh, decontamination for K through 12 schools and a decontamination policy for student transportation. And my point before we uh, went on break there was, you know, when people do come back, the constituents that are going to be using those facilities want to know they're going back into a safe place. We should be doing things in a different way now. Um, one of the points we made in the class, and I'll talk more about we're doing the class again in a couple of uh, this coming weekend and in a couple of weeks, was how many people that are in the cleaning business actually know how to don and doff personal protective equipment in the case of a decontamination which they may get themselves into. Well, that's a good question. I, you know, I, to be honest with you, I wouldn't have any idea, but you're, you're absolutely right because um, the, I think you, you hit the nail on the head because the second thing is, is that not only do we want to make sure that they've got the clean, but do they have uh, a plan, right, to be prepared for an additional outbreak later on, which may be well, possible. You're right, Kevin, and you're, you're hearing some people saying, this is just the practice session. Yeah. What's coming yeah. later? Well, I think that actually, I, I, I heard that actually, um, you know, they started uh, allowing people in China to, and I, and I don't know the statistics because I, I don't have it, but I heard that uh, they started to see, you know, things go down. So they loosened up the res restrictions and now they're seeing a little bit more of an uptick. So this could, this could be a, a reemergent of more virus later on if we get too loose with it. One of the things that we did in the class, folks, that we did last week, and we will be doing again uh, this Saturday, that it would be the 11th, uh, the class will air live. Uh, it's a remote learning class. We will be airing again from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern time. 
Yes, I know. I said seven hours. Uh, we have some breaks and everything, but it's six hours of action-packed material. You will be totally engaged the whole time. At the end of the class, one of the things that we have in there is some information from the outbreak of Ebola. And this was back in, I believe, 14. And protocols were changed. And a lady in Texas at a hospital almost died because she made one slip in doffing her protective uh, equipment. And this is my point, folks. If you're listening to this podcast today, um, Kevin and I are talking about keeping the frontline people safe. This is what your independent dealer does. We are here committed not to just bring you supplies, but keeping you safe. It's a partnership. To that point, Kevin, we have written in, in this decontamination policy, what do you do when you first go in? What are the first things that you should decontaminate? And should we not be treating these facilities as they have been contaminated, not just with COVID-19, but with every one of these viruses you mentioned before? And then we should make sure that this is something we practice on a regular basis. So is certification going to be required just as well as everything else? You know, Dave, I, um, <laughs> I, I think that, that's, a, that's a great wish. I'm not sure that's going to happen. But, um, you know, if, you, if we take a look at, uh, and I don't have all the numbers in front of me, but, uh, you know, we know that a lot of these other uh, viruses that are out there are still continuing to grow, and, and uh, they may, may not be people, uh, in front of people's faces right away, but they're large numbers. You know, I mean, and well, influenza, uh, influenza is a virus that's it's huge numbers, 2,000 people a week during the season. Absolutely. And so um, I, I agree with you. I think that there should be some sort of certifications for our cleaning staffs. And, and then, I mean, I'm not telling you more than you, you are the guy who actually helps the custodial staffs understand how important their jobs are. I think that's something that our businesses and our business leaders and decision makers need to understand how critical that the frontline staffs are. You know, I, I want to, first off, more than anything, thank our first responders, our healthcare workers, you know, those delivery drivers, anyone who is out there touching the public on a consistent basis right now, they're really helping all of us uh, in ways that we can't even imagine uh, um, right now. And so we've got to figure out a way, how do we protect ourselves for the future? Um, and that's something actually, you know, um, the team over at Triple S is working on is we're trying to develop some uh, tools uh, and protocols and processes to help make sure that our members have this, this information that they can share with their customers and end users to make sure that they've got that dialed in for the future. Well, and I think this is the, the issue that we're talking about. PPE is, is one of the things that you hear about in the news almost every hour right now, which is the uh, gloves, mask, and mm -hmm. washing your hands. That's your, you know, and, and folks, I know that, that you're, you're saying wash hands. Yes, that's a form of PPE. I, I know you're not probably thinking that, but it is. Um, we need to be practicing these protocols 
we need to have examinations of these protocols because here's the thing, and, and that's my point with this conversation is when this happens is not the time to figure out what to do. Correct. That's where we're behind on the eight ball. This is why you and I are having the conversations this afternoon, Kevin, is that we have been behind the eight ball because, and I don't want to lay this all on one or another, but because public has devalued our profession? Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I, I mean, I, I don't know about devalued, but it's become commoditized, right? Well, you can and say commoditized. I want to be more blunt about it. <laughs> you know, they don't are. value. They don't value. They don't value the, the the profession, and now we're part of it. And you said first responders. Well, we're going into buildings, and people are running the other way. Aren't we a first responder? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and and that's why it's. Um, you know, I. I I agree with you. I really hope that our community, <clears throat> our local communities and our nation understand that um, uh, they start seeing the value uh, and importance of our frontline people. Um, and they provide them with not only that, they provide them with the right budgets and the right tools <clears throat> to be able to keep their environment safe. Especially, I mean, gosh, you know, I think about you know, kids in schools, I mean, the kids don't know any better. And they're, right now they're learning, I mean, they're learning more than ever how to properly even just to wash their hands. Well, sure. You know, why didn't we do this beforehand? Because, you know, how many kids are sick all the time? And as you know, if you have young kids, everybody in the family then gets sick and it just spreads. I mean, there's some basic things that we should be doing a long time ago to make sure that our, our um, system is educated properly because then some of these outbreaks may not happen as badly. We'll talk to a family that has had MRSA and a relative in their family oh. has died oh. from MRSA. And then they can't figure out how come for the next two years it stays in their family. It moves from one person to the other. One person has it, they get better, and then they get it again. And this goes back to what you're saying here. Why do we have a flu season? Why does MRSA continue to go around? Why is this COVID-19 not going to leave? For the same exact reason. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you I know, know I, get, I, I get high on my horse. You know, my <laughs> wife said, my wife said, oh, gosh, you're getting ready to do that podcast live against the after. She, she went to the back room, shut the door, <laughs> said, I don't want to listen to you because I get so excited about this. But, folks, why is it that we had to wait for this to happen before we started waking up? Well, you know, Dave, that what I love about you is that you know you are so passionate about um, about this subject and and about the people who you've worked with side by side, you know that custodial staff member who, you know, let's face it, oftentimes they don't feel important themselves because they're, as you said, the the decision makers above them don't value them. And so uh, that's what I love about your program is that you help them understand the, the, that how they can actually impact their businesses in a positive way. And that's the same thing that as us as independent distributors can do. And hopefully, hopefully our local communities and our, and our uh, end users will start seeing that. 
What Kevin's also referring to, folks, if you're listening to us for the first time this afternoon, we are on Podbean Live. It's about a quarter till two here on the East Coast. Uh, we're going to let Kevin get off here in a minute, but we do have a program. It's called the Rockstar Custodian Program. Go to www.rockstarcustodian.com. One of the things, Kevin, I've been doing as much as I can with everything else that we're doing is every time I see a post that says, oh, let's praise the the workers, let's do this, you know, and they're, they're talking about the front line. I, I put in there, nominate your rock star, and I put the website there. You know, my point is these frontline people are the first responders. They will continue to be long after this pandemic has come and gone. They're the ones that keep it safe for you to be there every single day of the year without fail. Uh, you know, anybody can nominate anybody in the Rockstar program. Um, don't forget that. Kevin, is there, well, I guess any parting words? I know you kind of helped me out a little bit and jumped on this, and this is your first time on it. Not so hard. <laughs> no, no, I, I truly appreci appreciate the invitation. You know, I guess the last thing that I would say is that, you know, I, I hope that, uh, uh, one, uh, to everybody out there, you know, please be safe and and uh, hopefully that our decision makers above in buildings and uh, owners of businesses and uh, decision makers who uh, have the ability to impact their uh, businesses can work closely with their frontline people, their custodians, their cleaning staff, their environmental services teams, etc. And, and help them provide the actual right tools, the right products, and the right processes to make sure that they learn how to properly clean, disinfect, and sanitize so that it helps us all maintain a safe and clean environment. I'm going to have just second deck because there's not much more I can say about that because that's my <laughs> hope too. <laughs> Folks, if you're listening to us and you stayed with us, uh, whether uh, you've been live with us this afternoon, we saw some people come on live uh, as we do here every afternoon. One of the things I want to tell you is that, yes, this uh, Saturday, a Saturday class for those who need it on accredited infection prevention expert, a six-hour certification course. We'll also be doing that again on the 22nd of this month. Um we had over 50 people on the class last week. I'm not sure we'll get to that number this week. Uh, we had people from all over the continental United States and Canada. We've got nearly 40 courses on our online campus. We're getting questions all the time. And yes, we do have online can uh, classes in Spanish now. So we're uh, putting up more and more of those as we go. Uh, you heard about the Rockstar Custodian. Remember, we are sponsored by Gym Supply uh, out of Central Florida. They've been proving lives with cleaning supplies since 1930. Thus, education is nothing new to them, but we've tried to ramp it up over the last three years since I moved down here. Very happy to be with you this afternoon, Kevin, and uh, the mutual support between our organizations. Thank you for having me, Dave. Folks, we end our podcast and almost everything that we do with three words make sure that whatever you do between the now and we talk time we talk with you again 
that you keep everything you do healthy, positive, and proactive. We will be back tomorrow afternoon at 1 p.m. Uh, Sean DeVore is going to be here with us. He is from Mannington Mills. He's going to be talking about everything floors. He's been on our show on a regular basis this year, and uh, we kind of moved him around a little bit, but he'll be with us tomorrow afternoon. So uh, please join us again on Podbean Live, 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Till then, we'll talk with you later. We're out of here.